Good morning. My goodness, I haven't seen some of you guys for a long time. Some of you kids have grown up. It's really cool to be back here after a long time being away and seeing that uh, a new generation has grown up and, and they're still attending here and they're, and they're being strong in what God has called them to do. That's really exciting for me. And uh, just let you know that I really miss attending here. I love Lee Summit and all the things that we get to do up here, but you know, this has been home for me for a lot of years and getting to come back is, is really unique. So being able to stand here and communicate to you something that I'm incredibly passionate about is really fun. And my hope is that some of you will just get a little bit of, of what I'm feeling and the excitement that I have and, and, and wanna participate in that on some level. And there's many levels that, that are available for people to, to connect with. As uh, Charles told you, I just got back from Africa on Wednesday, and quite honestly, <clears throat> it was probably one of the best trips that I've ever had. Um, and it's probably because it was my last one, but, but it was really unique for me to be able to, to go there, and like he said, we've started a new work that's up north. And I'm just really excited about that. But we also got to see some things that I've been trying to, to, to get to happen for about the last three years. One of the things that I've wanted to do is that I found out that there were elephants up north, um, not far from where we've been working, and quite honestly, within an hour of, of where we've been working. And so for the last two or three years, I've been telling Kofi, Kofi, I want to go see the elephants. I want to go see the elephants. His first response to me was, what elephants? There's no elephants in Togo. And I'm like, well, I did the research. There's elephants at a reserve up north. And so he, uh, he, he began to look into it, began to, to see what was available. And I don't know who he had to talk to or what, but he got us permission to be able to go up and see the elephants. And that was just really exciting to me to be able to be in West Africa and be on a game reserve of some 50,000, 60,000 acres and see wild animals the way that, that they were in, in Africa, you know, 100 years ago. And uh, we, we got to get really close to them, and that was really cool for me as well, to get close to these things and be able to, to touch them. You know, they're, they're wild animals, but they still have handlers because they have to be protected, so, you know, that kind of calms them down a little bit. But there was this one elephant that was just huge. He was, he was scary. And... They opened up the place so that we could walk in where they were at, and this guy looks at me first, and it's like he's sizing me up. Now, he weighs about probably five, six, ten thousand 10,000 pounds, and I'm close to that, but not quite. I got you that time, didn't I? You're linking in with me. Okay. So, anyway, this elephant looks at me, and he's got this, these gray eyes that just are dull, and you can't predict anything from him, and he's looking at me, and he kind of turns his head like this so he can... He's making eye contact with me. And this 10-ton bull elephant begins to move my way with feet this big around. And I'm going to be honest with you, I screamed like a little girl, and I ran as fast as I could to get out of his way so that he wouldn't trample me. And, and the handler had this stick, and he was just beating on him. And they got him under control and got him to back up. And then finally, you know, after, after I calmed down a little bit, I was able to go back in and, and, and work with the elephants again. But the cool thing about that was being able to be there, see that, and to be able to be up close and, and understand that. But then the, 
the challenge that goes into that, because I was able to use that story in Africa several times, and the people in Africa, you've, you've got to understand that they are very, very, very much have a lid on them as far as what they feel that they're capable of doing. And our goal is to, is to raise that lid for them and expose them to new opportunities, new things that they can do, um, you know, leadership, community development, evangelism, and all those things are just huge for us to be able to do with them, but we have to raise the lid for them to do that. So for me to go in and talk about engaging this elephant, telling them that it scared me, and I had to face that fear, and I had to go back in, and I had to, I had to go in, and I had to do the obligatory pet the elephant, feed the elephant, and all that kind of stuff, and get photos of that, so that, you know, that I, I was one that was overcoming the, uh, the giant in my life. One of the messages that I preached there was on, on David when he fought Goliath, and it was funny that I had just got through teaching that lesson when I engaged this elephant, and so because of that, you know, I couldn't just stand there and not, not go back in. But one of the lines in that story that I, that I learned and understood for the first time is that when David, he didn't have any weapons. He didn't have anything. He had a staff, a shepherd's bag, and he picked up five smooth stones. And one of the things that we preach over and over and over to these people in Togo is that use what God has given you. Don't concentrate on what you don't have. Concentrate what God has given you, and then go out and do what he's called you to do. And the story says that David went out to engage the giant. The giant seen him and began to move towards him to, to destroy him. And it says that David hit the battle lines, and then he ran to the giant to fight him. And, and that word ran at that point is really encouraging to me because this huge giant that everybody in the whole army was afraid of, this young boy engaged him head on fearlessly because he knew who he was fighting for. He knew what he was fighting for. And he took what he had, five stones, stick, and a bag. And he went out and he faced him head on. And what's really encouraging about that is that when he was going out to meet the giant, he said, today I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to defeat you. The man didn't even have a sword at that time. So he took what he had and he went out and he engaged this man that everybody in his army was afraid of, and he was successful. And he went on to do the things that, that God had called him to do. And we know the backstory of David, and we know where he went and all those great things. But it's, that's really encouraging me to see that. I want to read a verse for you real quick. And then I want to talk a little bit about our trip. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Starting with verse 4, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing glory is not from us, but it's from God. That's one of the, 
that verse is really important for me in, in the work that we're doing because it tells us that we have all of this power, that power that, that David had to go out and engage this giant. The power that David had, you know, before that he, he fought a bear and a lion and, and was, was effective with that as well. But we have that same power with the God that we serve as well. We have those abilities to go out and engage giants and face them head on. And you know, when I look at a group of people this big, I know that there's struggles here. You know, we've got, we've got seniors that have just graduated to, uh, this week or this month, and, you know, they're facing a whole new world. We've got people, I spoke to people with empty nests this morning, and that's a whole new challenge for people to, to start, a, you know, to continue in their life, and, and their kids have, have gone on to, to, to be adults. Um, seniors that are dealing with issues that, that's out of their control, and they have to depend on other people to, to face every day. All those things are, are challenges to us, and then those of us that, that are working daily, the challenges that go with that, and, and the, just the huge giants that come up in front of us to cause us to want to stumble, cause us to want to fail, cause us to want to run and hide. And the power that we've seen that David had when he was in that, that battle line is the same power that we have, the same God that we have, the same Christ that we have. And so it's the same God that takes us from where we're at and moves us from our safety zones to a place of risk, a place of challenge, a place that, that most people wouldn't want to go, a place that could be a little bit scary, a place that, that is not necessarily popular. The cool thing for me is that I get to go to a neat place. Um, Togo is just amazing to me. It's exciting for me. But you know what? Some people will have the same, the same calling to go see their neighbors, go see the people they work with, go see those uh, people around them as well. So that, that power that we're talking about is in these fragile bodies that we have. You know, it, that last verse talks about these jars of clay, and it's talking about how fragile that we are as individuals, how broken that we are as, as individuals, but also that we can still be effective, even though we're fragile, even though that we're broken. You know, most of us, me including, are crack pots. That was funny, wasn't it? But we're cracked pots, we're fragile, we're broken. But the all-surpassing power of God shines light out of those broken pots. It's that light that we want. You know, if my pot wasn't cracked, would they see the light inside of me that's Christ? Now, some of you may say, yeah, there's no Christ in you, Kevin, you're a bad guy. That's okay. But my prayer is that when I'm standing here, you're not seeing this good-looking guy here. Why did you laugh at that? that was, I was being serious then. It's like, why you, you wouldn't see the Christ that's in me if there wasn't brokenness inside of me, if there wasn't hurt inside of me, if there wasn't pain inside of me, if there wasn't loss, if there wasn't all those things that make up who I am, and God has used those in my life to motivate me, to move me to challenge me to overcome those things so that I can be where that he's called me to be. And it's the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The battle that we have 
You know, there's other places in Scripture where, you know, it, it talks about the spiritual warfare. It talks about the satanic grip that people, that people have on them and, and all those things. And, and this is talking about that. It's the God of this age has blinded these people. They don't know. They don't know what's available to them. It's exciting to me to be able to be in Togo. And I want to go back about three years. I was sitting in a funeral for Pastor Daniel's wife. And a man leans over to me like this, and he says, Hey, Kevin, we have an unreached people group about four or five hours north, and we'd like for somebody to go look at that and see what opportunities we have there. Do you realize how exciting that made me that somebody, first of all, thought that 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 would be something that I would want to do, and then they thought that I would have somewhat of the ability to to go there and engage that, and and then they asked me to do it. And this was back about four years ago, and then in January 2014, we took our first vision trip into this area. Now, if you can imagine, and I didn't have time to put maps together and all that thing to give visuals and, and things like that, but we have... Mission Tove, or Lome, which is at the bottom of, of Togo. And if you, could, if you could go straight up, there's only one highway that goes north. If you go straight up to an area called Sokaday. And when you get into Sokaday, you go east about 40 miles, and there's, we hit a village called Chamba. The next village is, is Columba. I, I pronounced that wrong. But that's where the chief lives, and that's where the NI people are from. And we went, I went up there with the knowledge of these people of, they were 40 miles east of Sokaday. They're an unreached people group, and that's all we know. And that was just really exciting for me to get the opportunity to go into a place where nobody had preached the gospel before. And I'm going to be really honest with you, I had expectations that were far different than what they were when I got there. I was really hoping that that, that whole unreached people group meant that they were just really raw native people. That, that didn't happen. I was a little bit disappointed in that. But when I got there, I seen that they were people, they had a society that was, that was sound, it was strong, they were educated but they were lacking Christ. That verse that I read you a minute ago that says, the God of this age has blinded their eyes. Until I began to, to talk to them, they had no idea what, what they were missing. They had no idea what they were dying without. You know, we see generation after generation after generation of people in that culture that die without Christ. They die without, without being ha- even having the opportunity to know. And because of that, God has used that call for me to be able to go and engage that. Do we have a picture of our, our chief that we can put up? This is the chief that lives in, in a little village called Balanca. And my goodness, I look fat. Do I look that fat right now? No? Okay, good. Wow. You know, the camera puts on 10 pounds, I'm sure. But this is the man that we met the first time. He is the chief of a tribe of people about probably somewhere between 3,000 to 4,000 people. 
And what's really unique about him is the first time that we met him, he was open to us being there. He was, he was happy to engage us. You know, he had, he had a white guy from America that was in his, uh, in his throne room, and that made him happy. But he was a little bit closed off. He started giving us warnings, first of all. He said, I have to protect my people from everything. He said, I, have to, I want to protect my language. We have a unique language. Everybody's required to speak this language if, if, they're in this, uh, if they live in this group. And everybody has to, to marry within this group. And he said, that's really important to me to maintain our identity and who we are and what we are. And there were several other things that he spoke about, but, but protecting that was just huge. And that was, the, that was the first visit. This is the fourth visit here. But as, I, as we spoke, he lightened up, we took pictures, he got up on his throne, we were able to sit around him. That, that was some cool stuff and bring pictures home of that. But uh, the next time we went, you know, and, and what we find is when we engage these people, it's consistency that speaks the most to them. If we say we're going to come back, then to come back is important because they'll judge us on the fact that, that we told them we would do something and if we did or didn't do it, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. So we went back the second time, we went back the third time, and this being the fourth time, I'm at Walmart the night before I leave, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go engage this chief, and I'm going to see him one day during the week that we're there, and I'm going to ask this man to donate property to people that he has no clue of what they are, a, a religion that he really has no clue what it is. What do you do to prime that pump so that somebody's going to be able to to offer you back something that you, that you want. So I was walking through Walmart and I called a few people and I said, hey, what do you give a chief that you're gonna ask him for property in a couple of days? And so everybody that I spoke to said, you know, use something with sports, use something that's, that's, uh, that relates us to that because sports are a big deal. Everybody knows they play soccer, they call it football. But one of the things that we got into with him that I didn't realize is that, you know, the the royals emblem, the, the royalty of that, and we, we played on that with him about the value of our home team and, you know, what that represents and how that tied to him and, and his position, his place, and those kinds of things. And, and he really ate that up. And uh, he told me, he said, when I walk around my village, I'll wear this shirt and it'll make me look younger. He's, it'll make me look like uh, I'm one of the kids. And uh, you want to flip to the next shot? That's him in his normal uniform, and that's what he's looked like. I think he wore those clothes every time I seen him. But uh, as we were talking to him, I, I gave him the gifts, and I asked him, um, is there any way that you could donate property to us so that we could come in and we could plant a church? We could build a building for a pastor to live in. We're going to pull up from the south, one of the 40 men that we trained in the beginning and that's ready for a church. We're going to move him and his family up there to live for three or four years at least. And, and so we need a place for him to live. We need a place for him to have a garden. We need all these things. And so as we were communicating with the man, he just very quickly blurted out, how much do you want? How much land do you want? And I can't tell you how excited that was for me. Can you see my excitement right now? I'm just over the top. 
And for, for him to say that to us, and he said, how much do you want? Well, you know me, my response was as much as you can give us. And he said, I'm confident I can give you one hectare, which is two and a half acres. And he said, I'll have to meet with my committee to see if we can do more. That's a big deal to get a space that big in West Africa to build a church, because most churches, quite honestly, are in an area about half the size of this room. That's all the land they have. And, you know, of course, everybody spills over into the neighbor's property if it's undeveloped and that kind of thing. But for us to have that much property to go in and do the things we do and, and make a, a, a central place that we'll be able to draw people into and that we can preach the gospel to them so that we can take the shields off of these people that are blinded by the God of this world. You know, this chief is very openly Muslim. And for us to be able to go into a Muslim community and share the gospel with him and live is really a great thing. The team that I was with last time, Paul was on that team with us, um, Troy and Dennis. When we were able to get to him and visit with him, we were able to share the gospel with him. And the chief listened to every word, and he responded at the appropriate times. He didn't accept Jesus as his Savior, but you know what? He listened to every bit of it. He heard every bit of it. And when we asked him questions about it later, he understood what we were talking about. I don't know if that man will ever become a Christian. I really want us to be praying towards that. But what's even greater than that is that he is open for his people to learn a new way of life, to understand the Christian concepts, to be able to, to come together in Christ. And that's just overwhelming for me, to, to be able to be a part of that. A people that you, you didn't even know existed, to a people that you've met, to a people that are hearing the gospel, to a people that were able to, to build buildings and, and become permanent and become a fixture in that. This is what the man told me. I really don't know how old he is. You guys can guess. He may be 60s. He may be 70s. But what he told me was, I want you to come in my lifetime, so you better hurry. What is that saying? We've got an open door in his lifetime, and he's telling us to hurry and get there. Now, he's got some, he's got some uh, political motivations. It benefits him to have change and growth on his, on, on his legacy. Um, he told me, he said, everything that I do as chief will be written down. The next generation will read it. I need it to be good. I need it to be great. You know what? I'll buy into that. I want his legacy to be great too. I want him to have all kinds of great things. And the exact words that he said to me, and this is a quote, not to be offensive to anybody, but he said, I want it in my records that I got the white man to come to our village. That's a big deal. Because he, what he knows is that when the gospel comes to a community, things don't stay the same. When we read through the gospel um, stories about Jesus, everybody that came into contact with Christ was changed after that. Nobody ever remained the same. Everybody became different. When we began to go into this community, 
things will change. Things will be different. Things will be exciting. You know, that's where it comes to what's next for us. I don't know if many of you know this, but we've had the doors closed in Togo for about a year. And my reason for going there is, quite honestly, I wanted to go and check the safety and see if, it, if we can go in, if we can move around as necessary, and if, if we were able to, if we had any limits, and, and we didn't. We honestly, we had no limits whatsoever. We were checked more than we've ever been checked before. We've seen more military than we've ever seen before. And, you know, in the past, they all had these old Russian AKs. They all had brand new weapons. I mean, they were prepared for whatever they needed to deal with. But we never got in any kind of an issue with them. We got pulled over many, many times. We got checked many times, but we, never, we were never hindered with anything. And, and I really think, depending on what happens in June with the election, I really think that we can plan a, a team to go in in September, October timeframe. And I really am looking for people that want to get in on that team. I'm looking for somewhere, myself, I'm committed. I'm looking for between four and eight or nine people more to go. To go in, plant a church, begin the process of building buildings, and then turn it over to the new pastor and then come home. And that's something that's going to come up fast. The opportunity is going to be here before we know it. Um, we won't make any plans until we see the election in June. But after that, we're going to hit the ground running and we're going to make plans for this. We're going to make, we're going to get commitments, we're going to get dates, we're going to do training, and then we're going to go. Um, I really am interested and people from this group going. If you don't go, that's not an issue. We need people here praying for us as well. Quite honestly, we need some of your money. We need some of your money. If you don't want to go, but you want to contribute, we certainly can. We have about, I don't know if you remember a few months ago, but we raised money. We raised almost $10,000 for this project. Because of some of the things that have happened in Togo, prices have increased. Things have changed. Uh, we really, we need another five, five, six, seven thousand dollars to be able to, to extend out for a length of time. And so that's one of the places that people can, can be a part of that. They can contribute into that. Praying for us, by all means, is not even a small piece. It's huge. You know, we go on so many mission trips that sometimes it begins to be like status quo for us. Teams will leave and come back, and people won't even know we're gone. And as a group, we're not praying about that. We're not thinking about that. We're not thinking about the impact that is, is being had on, on a, a people that's six, 7,000 miles away. We're not thinking of an impact that's happening to families that are at home. We're not thinking about those things, and, and quite honestly, we're not praying about them. We have so many things that will keep us busy. So we're asking for that. We're asking for money. We're asking for prayer people. We're asking for prep people, and we're asking for people to go. We're asking for people to go. The last song that was sung was about going, and that God would choose me to take me to a place that I'm not aware of, I don't know, and use me in a way that is unbelievable. The, uh, the verses that I really wanted to use this morning is when Joshua had just taken over 
as leader of the Israelite people. And just the backstory on, on these people is that one generation before this, they were slaves. They were in bondage. They were hopeless. They were helpless. They were dying, and they didn't know that there was anything better. God took them out of that bondage, and He led them in the wilderness for 40 years, and He trained these people, and He got their attention, and He fixed them on a purpose for themselves, a purpose that was bigger than themselves, a purpose that would attract people to it to want to be a part of it. And we see in Joshua chapter uh, 3, verse 2, it says, After three days the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. These people went from grumbling slave mentality people to be at that point of preparing to cross the Jordan River to go in and take the promised land. God trained them for this. God got them prepared for this. We as a church, our whole entire lives, we've heard of the Great Commission. We've heard of how God wants us to to go out and share uh, Christ with other people. We have all been prepared for generations to do something like this. This is not a new story. This is not a new request. This is an exciting time. But you know what these people had to do? Even though they had all this training, even though Joshua was a great leader, even though God was, was on him and was going to show great things through him, it says, when you see God moving, you're to move out and you're to follow. When you see activity of God, we're to move out and we're to follow. God is saying, risk. Take a risk here. These people didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how they were going to cross the Jordan River. We all know it was flooded. We know it was all was impossible. We know that, that the city of Jordan was, was fortified beyond belief. We know all those things. We read, the, we read the rest of the story. But they're at this point where they've got a flooded river in front of them. They've got an incredible city in front of them. And God's saying, trust me, risk on this. It's worth it. It's going to be a good thing. You know what I'm saying? The same thing to you. This, takes, this will take risk, but it's exciting. You know, it, it goes on to say that when you see the priest step in the water, the water will dry up from that point on downstream all the way to the Dead Sea. But it didn't dry up till they took their first step. It didn't dry up till they stepped in the water. It didn't dry up till faith was in action. It didn't dry up until there was risk involved. Now, I've got this visual in my head that they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and I think those poles are 12 or 15 feet long. Somebody can correct me on that later. And I really don't know if it was the first priest that his feet touched the water or if all four of them had to be in the water. So there was one guy out there in water this deep, in my, in my mind when I'm seeing this picture, and one guy in water about this deep. But there was, there was commitment. There was risk. It was whatever it take. At this point in their life, they had been developed to trust. You know, we talked about the cracked pots earlier. 
We talked about how that, that this all-surpassing glory of God is in these cracked pots, and this light is shining out of it. Each one of us, all of those pains that we've endured in our life, all of those hurts, all of that thing that we're going through right now has developed us to this point in our life so that we can step out from our secure spot. We can step into the place that God has called us to go to, and we can go to the place. Now, this is not a request that everybody here go to Africa. I don't expect that. Quite, quite honestly, it's not even reasonable. But you know what? There's four or five of you here that God is just really tugging at your heart saying, trust me, trust me, step out, do this. We've got some incredible people here, and we've got some veterans, veteran LOL missionaries that range from the age of 15 to 75 that God has used in tremendous ways in this world. Some of you haven't been able to be there for a while. This is the, this is the place that you want to be. The, the chief wanted it in his legacy that he was able to accomplish this. This is cutting-edge stuff for us, is to be able to engage an unreached people group, share Christ with them, and watch the changes that go on beyond generation. The, the, the second cool thing about the chief, and we learned that this time, is that he had his son there, the prince. The young man knows English, and he has a phone, and he has WhatsApp. He has done nothing but communicate with me since I left Africa. His English is broken, and he's blessing us, and he's giving me all these hand-clapping things and thumbs-up things. And, the, and he told me, he said, the chief has met with his advisors, and, he's very ex- and they're all excited for us to come back. They're all excited for us to come back. They're excited for some of you to come back. They want to meet more of us. They want us to share what we know. They want to learn, and they want to be the people that they can be. That brings me to my end, and uh, I have tons of time for people that have any questions. Not today, though, because I have to go to Lee Summit. But if you have any questions about this, get my cell number, call me, text me. We'll get in a circle and we'll talk about it, um, but we have lots of opportunities, and I want people to be involved to the, to the level that they're capable of. And uh, I'm going to turn this over to Charles, and he's going to finish the message and correct all my mistakes, and he's going to make me look good. So thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Kevin, when I look at you, you I say you weigh a hundred and plenty. That's right. A hundred and plenty. That's what I tell people I weigh. You, we, we've heard the challenge. Can you believe that Heart of Life Church has the opportunity to touch a people group who don't know Jesus and have a chief that's a Muslim give us land to build a gospel preaching church on? to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only God could pull this off. 
we got to walk through that door. We've got to walk through that door. He said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. And these people need to hear about Jesus. We have the opportunity to make that happen. Thank you, Kevin, for the challenge you've given us this morning. Let's pray and ask God to bring it to fruition. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the heart you've given Kevin, for the challenge you've put in him. And as he's brought it to us today, straight from you, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. Lord, those who you want to go, I pray you will put that challenge in their heart. Those who might can give, God, help us to have that challenge put in our heart. And all of us can pray, Lord, help us to be faithful. We just ask you to bring it to pass. Touch our hearts like they need to be touched. Let your Holy Spirit power work in us and help us simply to say, yes, Lord, we'll do what you've called us to do. Thank you for the doors you're opening, Lord. Thank you for swinging them wide open. And so help us to walk through them now. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Help us to do what you've called us to do as your children. Then, Lord, we would simply pray if there's one here today who's never committed their heart to you. We're talking about people all the way in Africa coming to know the gospel and coming to know Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's just one here today who's never said yes to you, that even right now the power of your Holy Spirit can so move on our hearts that you will draw them to yourself. So, God, we love you and we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week and uh, enjoy the holiday tomorrow. Just don't burn out. See you next Sunday.